Hey, this is Howard Jacobson, and I'm delighted to have on the phone today Dr. Hans Deal uh, from, you're in Loma Linda, California, is that right? Uh, that's correct. Hello, welcome. Well, thank you. So um, I've been a fan of yours and your work for a long time, so this is a, a real honor to, to get <clears> to talk <throat> to you and ask you all about it. Um, let's let's start for people who who may not be familiar with it with your uh, principal claim to fame, which is uh, founding and running the Chip Program. So, what what is the Chip Program? Well, <laughs> the Chip Program is not really recommending potato chips and chocolate chips, and uh, <laughs> it's not dealing with electronic chips, but rather it stands for the Complete Health Improvement Program which is really a very comprehensive, intense educational program designed to help people to make lifestyle changes more in harmony with how we perhaps should live in order to avoid and arrest and reverse many of our chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and yet, um, how many people have been through the CHIP program at this point? Well, it's really about a 35 to 40 hour educational program that is uh, delivered uh, by um, volunteers uh, as well as professional people that use our video programs and then enlarge the uh, engagement phase with the audiences. And so there are about 65,000 people that have gone through the CHIP program and they are better people because of it. Wow. And um, you're also a researcher, so you have some data that shows that uh, the CHIP program is actually making changes, significant health changes in people's lives? Oh, yeah. You know, I was trained as an epidemiologist. We're looking at the uh, frequency of disease in different cultures, and then we asked the question, now, why is it that in rural China, for instance, it was very, very difficult and still is difficult to find coronary artery disease, and yet uh, uh, you come to North America and you have every third person dying from heart disease? Or you begin to ask questions, why is it that in the more urbanized, uh, high-tech-oriented, modern, Western-oriented uh, portion of China, you have now heart disease rates that are approaching those that we have here in North America, and you don't have it in the rural area. So this is what epidemiologists do. They ask questions about frequency differentiations, and then they say, well, why is it there? Why is it not here? What is contributing to that? And, of course, one of the best and finest work that has ever been done was done by your colleague, Dr. Colin Campbell, with the China study, right? So I'm trained as an epidemiologist, and, of course, I'm totally committed to data collection, data assessment, and then also publications. And so there's some over 30 scientific papers published in peer-reviewed medical journals, especially in the last four, five, six years about the CHIP program. So I want to get into something with you, which is one of the major criticisms of the China study from, from people who... Um, who don't want to agree with its conclusions, specifically about limiting uh, consumption of, of, of animal-based products, right, is right. that it's a correlational study. And it's, you know, they studied 8,000 different variables and then used some 
computer modeling, so, or I guess in those days it was, it was much less computer power and much more just sort of number crunching um, to determine which were the which which. Uh, variables mattered and which ones didn't. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate and the critics are right in that it's not a causal study, it's just suggestive. But now what you've done in CHIP is you're, you're not changing 8,000 variables in people's lives, you're just changing a few. Do you find that your experimental results bear out the findings of the China study or have they contradicted them in some way or expanded on them? What do we know now based on you taking a few variables to improve people's health? Well, I am very, very excited about uh, the uh, solid database of the China study. Um, I'm also aware that sometimes purists in our field point out that this is not a cause and effect uh, relationship that one can really stake down. Uh, it is more of uh, uh, a suggestive relationship. But, you know, the relationships are so profound and so strong that, uh, you know, one probably can begin to um, collapse uh, the differentiation a little bit uh, between causal and suggestive and see that as a very, very heavily suggestive uh, documentation. In a CHIP program, you know, in four weeks, uh, we find uh, that uh, as people move towards a simple diet, by simple diet I mean a diet of um, whole foods moving towards a plant-based diet, foods such as fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes, simple foods, foods that don't usually carry nutrition labels. When we use these kind of foods and we educate people to use them, we put them on an exercise program, 10,000 steps a day roughly, which is about, uh, you know, uh, uh, an hour of walking uh, plus. And when we do this, we find dramatic changes uh, that in some ways actually provide, again, uh, evidence of the suggestions that have come out of the China study. Uh, diabetes begins to um, um, drop out. Uh, high blood pressure medications are oftentimes no longer needed. Um, angina pain begins to diminish rapidly. Uh, cholesterol drops are uh, consistently being seen of 10 to 30% all in four weeks. Uh, we see insulin dropping off in diabetics uh, within five, six days very, very significantly. Um, you know, these are um, documentations of how the body is interested in repairing itself if the right fuel comes in. So once we take out substances that paralyze the body's ability to repair itself, oftentimes that can include medications. Then you begin to see the magic of the body's restorative power in action. So, uh, when you designed the chip program, what what were the main components of the lifestyle changes you were looking to guide people to make? Well, we were very concerned about uh, the American diet. You know, it's the food by and large. And then you also uh, you have to talk about exercise. 
in exercise that has to do with aerobics, that has to do with um, strength training, especially as we get older. Then, of course, uh, it's, it goes without saying, uh, you want to leave out nicotine and you want to leave out uh, as much as possible uh, alcohol, especially in excessive amounts, and you also want to do something about caffeine. You know, these are basic things that you want to leave out. Uh, and then uh, we try to help people to have a positive attitude, to become a kinder person, uh, to flourish, uh, to have resilience, uh, to find happiness. Um, because even if you uh, encourage people to do all the right things, you know, uh, they, they eat all the right foods, uh, uh, they get the eight hours of sleep, uh, that's by the way, also a good point to make. Uh, you know, they do all the right things. They drink the eight glasses of water. They do all the right things, but if they have no real uh, purpose in life, uh, they don't have uh, good communication skills, or they don't know how to relate emotionally to people, well, what's the purpose, right? So we're trying to provide a fairly holistic model. And in that model, the symphony of simple foods playing together in a context of good exercise and a positive attitude and stress management, they provide the um, rather astounding uh, improvements that we can demonstrate within weeks. Mm. So I want to talk more about the program, but now I'm finding myself curious, how did you... (laughs) How did you come to this line of work? What's, what is your cre- career trajectory and interests that brought you to, to found CHIP and do this work? Well, I was uh, derailed. I was taken out of my pathway in some ways when I met Nathan Pritikin. Nathan Pritikin was a man that started the wellness revolution in America in 1975. He uh, had this idea that the American diet had gone too far towards being a processed food uh, program. There was too much animal product there, and he began to look around the world and to see the diseases of other societies. And he found that most of our Western diseases couldn't be found in many Asian and African countries. And so he began to ask the question, what is the difference? Is it a genetic thing? Is it a racial thing? And he began to realize that when he took, uh, looked at Japanese uh, uh, after World War II, it was virtually impossible to find heart disease. And so the question was, is it something in the uh, race? Is it in something in the genetics? Is it uh, in the air? Is it uh, the climate? And then uh, he looked at migrant studies, when Japanese moved to Los Angeles or to Hawaii and they adopted the Hawaiian and the uh, California diet and lifestyle, over the next 20, 30 years, these Japanese that used to be, it seeming, seemed to be immune to heart disease, now develop heart disease, and they begin to, we begin to understand that it must be the lifestyle that people began to uh, practice a new lifestyle. It wasn't so much the genetics. It wasn't so much the race. It was how people began to live. And, you know, this uh, uh, this observation 
uh, was amplified over and over again as he began to look around the world. And Nathan Pritikin then uh, was heart disease himself and um, making the changes uh, in harmony with what he discovered from the people in Japan and China and New Guinea and so on, where these diseases were virtually uh, absent, he began to find that he was able to eat himself out of his own heart disease. And uh, ultimately, uh, he opened up uh, the Pritikin Longevity Center, and uh, it was in the early days that he called me um, to take a look at uh, what was going on there, and I just couldn't believe it because I saw with my own eyes how people in 30 days, uh, in response to a very simple diet and daily exercise and education being provided so they understand how to do it, why to do it, and so on, I mean, I was blown away, and I left my university career, and I became involved uh, with the National Institutes of Health, took a fellowship there. Uh, I then found this wonderful program in uh, Finland where uh, Dr. Pushka uh, again uh, took a society that had the highest disease of heart disease in the world, and he put them on a very simpler, simpler diet, uh, reduced the salt intake, uh, did something about smoking, and over the next 20 years, uh, heart disease dropped dramatically, uh, plummeted uh, in Finland. So all these things kind of conspired then for me to um, um, uh, embrace the concept that I had seen an operation and uh, directed at the Pritikin Longevity Institute for a while before I then uh, begin to ask the question, now, these residential programs are very effective with heart disease, with hypertension, with diabetes, with overweight, with high cholesterol. They're absolutely, there's nothing quite like it. But I ask the question, what can I do for people who don't have four weeks, who don't have the money to fly into Santa Barbara or to Miami? and uh, now become involved in these residential programs. What can I do to take it to the community? And I began to understand that uh, there was another issue that troubled me a little bit, and that is that when you have people going to these live-in programs, to these residential clinics, as good as they are, as much as you learn in those three, four weeks, but when you go back home, you have the same refrigerator, you have the same doctor, you have the same friends, you have the same potlucks, and there's no support structure. What could I do, I ask myself, to build a support structure into the lives of people that come into my program? And so I took the concept that I learned from Nathan Pritikin of a simple diet, mostly moving towards uh, plant-based foods, leaving out more and more of the processed foods, and zeroing in on fruits and vegetables, whole grains and legumes, maybe a few nuts. I begin to understand that I could take this program to the community and enroll 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people, and at the same time, these people then being educated with a 40-hour course begin to ask questions, where do we get the foods? Where are the restaurants? And so my next step then became to work with restaurants to... Uh, get them on board. And for instance, in Rockville, Illinois, we had some 5,000 people enrolled in the program, and we had some 
almost 30 restaurants that served at least five chip-proof menus, and the food supply in the stores began to change fairly rapidly as people are asking for these foods. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because, you know, the, the, the residential programs, obviously you can have complete control over people's environment, over what they eat, but it's, you know, I know that, uh, like, drug rehab programs are very successful in getting people off the drugs by the time they walk out the door, but there's a tremendous recidivism rate. Yeah, so that's right. The, even the programs yes. that are trying to address this, had, there, yes. there was a structural problem that when people returned home, all of the supports that they had had were now gone, and they were being overwhelmed. No, Dr. Jacobson, that is absolutely uh, the Achilles heel of these wonderful programs. As good as they are, at the time when people are uh, in a supportive environment, once they get back home, what are they going to do with that, you see? And since they have paid usually quite a bit of money, they usually hang on to the new lifestyle. And also they have seen the benefits you know, once you've been a diabetic and all of a sudden you're no longer diabetic, you're not going to go back very easily to your previous lifestyle. So there, there is a certain retention value there, but it is limited. There is a behavioral decay that begins to set in with these people. And that's why we felt we need to develop uh, uh, social constructs, support systems, and do it right in the community. Uh, that's why we go into churches because people meet every week. That's why we go into corporations. People are seeing each other, and we can change the, the, uh, the uh, cafeterias in large corporations very easily and provide people with options. So they feel there's a support system there. We are swimming against the culture. We're transforming the culture. That's what we need to do if we want to be successful. Mm. So it's almost like you're a very smart virus Looking for <laughs> looking for hosts in which it'll be easier to to replicate yeah. and spread. Yeah, that's true. And you know, we found that the host oftentimes is the educated person, the person with uh, some of uh, a bank account that is uh, you know solid, because these people want to live. These people have the wherewithal financially and intellectually and socially to make this thing work for them. They want to be around. Uh, we have tried to go into the inner city because we didn't want to be elitish or misunderstood to be elitish. So we would go into the inner city and we would try to work through, you know, some of the churches that are serving the inner city. And uh, we were a total failure. It didn't work. Because the people, I don't care about knowing about all the reasons why I should do this and that. If it doesn't taste good, I'm not going to eat it. If it tastes good, give me something to eat that it tastes good, I'll eat it. It doesn't matter to me. And so we begin to realize that if you want to go into these different kind of social strata, you have to have a different model. You have to have um, probably social workers that go into the homes and perhaps set up the shelving systems for the pantry and show how to cook a meal. You know, it's a different kind of an approach that we need to use there. So our approach, I think, is somewhat working very, very well. It's one of the most successful approaches out there, uh, partly because uh, we are uh, aiming for a population that is uh, usually 40 to 70 years of age. That's why people become aware that 
hey, I need to make some changes. My blood pressure is up. My weight is up. You know, I don't have quite the energy anymore. Uh, my doctor wants me to put on, on medication. You know, that's usually uh, one of these uh, special aha moments. So we're looking for 40 to 70-year-olds, and also we're looking for people that are sort of in the, um, what should I say, middle class, upper middle class. Uh, no, middle class, sort of that's what we're looking at. Uh, people that are well-educated and they want these kind of programs. So in a sense, we have a somewhat self-selected population. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of a, st- a story I read. I think it was about the Russian czar Peter the Great, who mm-hmm. was, was trying to introduce the potato to, to yes. Russia. And he gave, you know, he gave potatoes to all the peasants, and he thought they're easy to grow, they're very yeah. you know, nutritious. And there was tremendous resistance until he started serving it um, at the palace. And all the nobility yeah. saw that the potato was now the hot new thing, and then they started growing it, and, the, and it, it kind of, that there's, there's, a, uh, there's a power in, in starting at the top sometimes. Yes, and, you know, that is our goal. Uh, we feel we need to reach the people that are ready for it, so the diffusion of the concept can uh, be facilitated. Um, people talk about uh, that at their parties. They talk about uh, these concepts on the golf course. Uh, you know, they talk about this in the restaurants. Uh, um, they talk about this at the board meetings. We want to reach these people, and that's what we're doing. Uh, uh, but we are not satisfied in just reaching those people. Uh, we are committed to letting it filter down and move towards the whole society. So we are committed to cultural transformation. Uh, so I'm I'm very curious about so these sort of educated people, fairly well healed, stable bank accounts, um, mm-hmm. a lot to live for, and yet mm-hmm. they they come into your program um, not eating well, not exercising well. What do you see as the big obstacles here? Is it is it lack of knowledge? Is it that they've heard it but they don't really believe it? Is it they don't have mm-hmm. the skills? Why why aren't they mm-hmm. doing it already? Yeah. Uh, I think they're doing parts already. You know, they're usually at the gym. Uh, they're doing, they might have uh, their uh, mm, smoothies in the morning. <laughs> uh, they have stopped smoking. But uh, oftentimes, uh, these people, uh, number one, don't know how to put the puzzle together to make it a comprehensive whole, right? A W-H-O-L-E. Uh, so we are providing uh, help with that. We are giving uh, people um, the why they should do it. Uh, they already have thought about these things. They've looked at different uh, ideas. They just don't know which is the best and the most authoritative idea because it already makes a claim, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So I think what we're doing, we're providing people with the why, and then in the program we show them how to do it. And we say, bring your spouse with you. Do it as a family. It needs to be a social activity. It needs to be a social movement. So I think um, uh, these people, uh, because they have already been involved in parts of making those kind of adjustments and they've thought about it, it becomes fairly easy for them after a couple of lectures that I got it. Okay? Now, there are about 19 lectures in the program and 19 presentations, plus there are some cooking classes, 
plus there are uh, some shopping tours, uh, you know, uh, plus we show them how to do the exercise properly. People become very comprehensively involved in a holistic lifestyle, and it all comes together now, and the um, synergy is very, very powerful. You know, the synergy is much more than if you add up the different uh, individual components. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're you're not just bolting things onto an existing lifestyle, but rather in a comprehensive way giving them an entirely new lifestyle that makes as much sense or more sense than what they were doing before. Yeah, I think that is true. Uh, we are trying to uh, help people to formulate their goals. Why would you want to make a lifestyle change? What are you after? Well, I want to live longer. I want to see my grandkids. Um, I have these blood pressure medications and I have these side effects. I just don't like them. Uh, what can I do to get away from these kind of things? These people are very, very motivated to, um, to make the lifestyle changes and they do and they maintain them very well because we have uh, uh, monthly meetings. Uh, uh, this is all centered in communities. So we have some three, four, for instance, in Portland, Oregon, we have eight chip chapters up there. And so people can go to these chapters, and then they have an alumni meeting. So they meet once a month after the program is over. And then they can also have access to blood tests, because when they come into our program, we do a very careful assessment. This is very, very important. Uh, you might want to think about that, too. And that is, uh, when they come into the program, uh, before they even um, have the first lecture, they first have uh, some blood testing done. So we know what their cholesterol is and their blood sugar and their triglycerides and so on. We check their blood pressure, their heart rate, their weight, and so on and so forth. So we have a very good biometric profile of all these people. They fill out a questionnaire that says what they live, how they live, what they do, and so on. Do they smoke? Do they exercise? And so on. We know exactly what they're doing. And then, after about three, four days, we give them the results back. And we make recommendations, personal recommendations. Here's what we recommend. You know, you are taking a lot of salty food in your diet and you have high blood pressure. There's a relationship there. Mm. Perhaps you might want to cut back on your sodium, your salt. Or we see that they're taking in a lot of, shall we say, sugary substances. And we say, oh, you know, you are 45 pounds overweight. Perhaps you might want to cut back on your sugary food. Or they have cholesterol that is very high. And we see that they're taking uh, animal products, they're taking eggs, they're taking chicken, uh, they're taking uh, uh, lamb, they're taking beef. And we said, by the way, do you know that these are the foods that contain the cholesterol and they're also high in saturated fat, which drives the cholesterol in the river to be mm, produced at a higher level? Uh, here's what we recommend. Cut back on these foods. So we are not coming across what the uh, participants say, you have to become, as of today, a person that will never eat another morsel of meat, or you will never have another cookie. But rather we say, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Now, if you come to us and you had a heart attack uh, three months ago, <laughs> we're very, very clear. You've got to move towards the ideal diet, which is whole food, plant-based. No animal products, and really be careful with all the whole, uh, processed foods. If people are not quite in that kind of um, endangered situation, 
we give them a little bit more freedom to make choices as they see fit for themselves. And then, of course, the group begins to take over. You have 50 people there. Sometimes I have 500 people in a class like this. And at that moment, you know, they begin to talk among themselves. Or they become engaged. Or they develop buddy-buddy systems. How did you do this? How did you get your husband off, off that milk? Hmm. I mean, he has to have milk, and he has to have that milkshake every day, and he has to have that bacon eggs every morning. How did you do it? And so they begin to talk, and, you know, the answers are oftentimes found in a group. And I think the magic of our program resides in the fact that uh, we're doing it as uh, a community-based group program. I used to try that out, and I taught people one-on-one. I would give them a one-hour presentation every week for six weeks. I wanted to help them to get away from the blood pressure medication. I wanted to help them to get off the insulin. I wanted to help them to get off, uh, you know, the extra weight and so on. And I was a total failure. Hmm. It didn't work. It did not work. But once I got a group of five people or 50 people or 500 people, and they begin to talk to each other, and they say, aha, that's how that works. And they now begin to uh, sort of vicariously see the success in someone else, Right? Well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so they feel encouraged, and there's an accountability structure there, there's a support group there. This is probably one of the most important aspects to have a support group, number one, and number two, have a biological feedback loop, you know, to get the results before the program. And then after four weeks, we do the same test again. We run the same tests all over again, and they see for themselves, my goodness, my cholesterol has dropped 23 percent. Mm-hmm. And then, you see, it's not just that they find out that the cholesterol is better. It has dropped. No, we ask them, do you know what that means? It means that for every percent drop in your cholesterol, you drop your heart disease by two to three times. So 23 percent drop in cholesterol, this will say it's about 50, 60 percent drop in coronary risk. So just bring your cholesterol down in four weeks by making some dietary changes. You can cut your risk of a heart attack in half. You can do it without medication. It doesn't cost you anything. And your food bill goes down 30% because you eat simpler foods. And it's, oh, my goodness. And then, of course, we come uh, with the idea that um, environmental issues, right? Um, uh, there are many people today scientifically committed to the idea that climate change is taking place and it has to do with our food supply and how we live. And so we help people understand that, you know, when, when you eat the American way of life, you're putting a lot of pressure on the resources like water, uh, clean air, um, and, 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 and they begin to say, my goodness, this is not just about eating. This is not just about health. This is about leaving a softer footprint on the earth. I'm on. And then we have people that come to us and say, you know, I'm really concerned about uh, how, you know, the ethics of how we treat animals. You know, they become more and more aware of the animal, uh, these uh, factories, um, farm factories and so on. And uh, they have a very sensitive heart towards these kind of things. So, and it all then makes sense. 
you do it for ethical reasons, you're doing it for health reasons, you're doing it for ecological reasons, you're doing it just, it seems to be the responsible um, thing to do, right? Mm. Yeah, and then we have, then we have your book uh, with Dr. Campbell, uh, the book Whole, W-H-O-L-E, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Then we have the book by Dr. Campbell and his son, uh, The China Study. We have books like um, um, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease by Dr. Esselstyn. And now you have this fabulous book uh, about uh, salt, fat, and sugar, which shows the addictive nature of many of our processed foods because they have been very purposefully enriched with sufficient salt, with sufficient sugar, with sufficient fat to make us become habituated and addicted to these kind of foods. Yep. Well, you know, it's, I'm, I'm taking furious notes here oh my on, on what you're saying about <laughs> the program design, because that was that's that was kind of my big cynical question or skeptical question coming in, because mm. I believe that education doesn't change behavior. I've, I've worked in the corporate training for a while, and I just see telling people what to do doesn't really make a difference most of the time. And so I was listening for what are the things you're doing that are educationally effective so that they lead to behavior change. Because it's, it's easy to, oh. to give someone a book and now they know more, but it doesn't yeah, mean no, no, no. they do more. No, you're absolutely correct. You know, especially when education is reduced to information, it's basically, for most people, worthless. I mean, with the with today's uh, massive informational uh, uh, material available, we should be experts in everything and do everything right. But it doesn't happen. For one thing, we're overcrowded. We don't know where to go. Uh, and uh, you need to have, that's what I said, the CHIP program is a social movement. It's not something that you do sort of in a, mm, what shall I say, um, nerdy way all by yourself where you check your computer and some people can do that very very well they're motivated they can handle that but we have found that the majority of people uh, they need to have the social reinforcement they need to have the joy they need to have the fun they need to have the discovery and so in trip what we do we not only provide education but also motivation and we provide inspiration you know, when a person gets up and says to you, uh, I had crushing angina pain in my chest for the last uh, three and a half years, and I had already had a bypass, and they've done a second bypass. I spent $150,000 for each one of them, and still the pain is back now. I don't know what to do. And then I come to chip, and within three weeks, the pain diminishes because the blood becomes thinner because you eat a different kind of a food now. You cut back on the fats and the oils and the grease, and you have now a much uh, less viscous blood, which can get through these narrowed arteries, and it can now reach the heart muscle and bring the oxygen to the heart muscle, and all of a sudden, the heart muscle is no longer screaming out, I need oxygen down here, because that's what angina is, the lack of oxygen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, these people, they become excited, and they get up and they tell the story, my angina is becoming less and less. And the person says, yeah, I know what you mean. I have been in the program three months ago. Let me tell you what happened to me. I no longer need my stents. I no longer need my bypass. I am on a new track of life. And, you know, everybody claps. And, you know, there is um, 
that inspirational moment is there. Uh, they become emotionally uh, involved. And when you make a decision uh, with the influence of positive emotions, it usually sticks much better. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what I heard, the, th- the three things that I, really, I underlined in my understanding is the goal clarification, the initial biometric assessment, and then the support. And what, what that reminds me of is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a technical person. So if I ever have to read something that's kind of, you know, like uh, putting together furniture from Ikea or fixing something, I tend, I tend to, you know, if I'm looking at, at a piece of writing like that, it's very hard for me to concentrate. And mm-hmm. so we, uh, three months ago, we got a new car. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm very excited about it. I got a huge pride of ownership. And so I, I want to read the, uh, the owner's manual. And I'm kind of going through it and totally, you know, my eyes are crossing. I don't understand anything that's going on. I just put it back in the glove box. And, well, you know, I, I know how to turn left and right and turn the lights on and off and put on my seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That one, one night, I'm driving home. It's 1030 at night, and I get a flat tire. Yeah. And I've never changed a flat tire myself in my life. And I'm, you know, 17 miles from home. It's late at night. And I've got to do it. So I've got to figure out, first of all, where's the spare? Where's the jack? How does the jack work? Which, which way do I turn the nuts to get the, the, the wheel yeah, right. off? And so I got out the manual. And all of a sudden, I could find the page. I could find exactly what I needed. I was so motivated to use that information that something that had before, if you told me to read this page before and take a test on it, I would have failed utterly. All of a sudden, it became, you know, it was in the service of a very important goal, which was not to spend the night on on Route 86 (laughs) in Durham. And and all of a sudden, I had, you know, information that was just in time. And it seems like that that's how you're presenting the information to people rather than just a bunch of lectures. It's highly personalized, highly motivating, and highly relevant. And we try to help people to recognize their need. We're not giving them something that they don't want. Mm -hmm. They've already come into the program because they know something is not quite right. Maybe the blood pressure is up. You know, maybe the blood sugar is up. You know, maybe they don't feel very well. Maybe you have arthritis. They can no longer walk very well. Uh, there's chest pain coming in. Um, uh, their belly uh, is kind of no longer fitting into the pants, the trousers. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of stuff. So we then can, with the CHIP program, reach out to the needs of these people and show them what they can do and they can measure the progress through biometrics within four weeks, five weeks. And then they can come back in three months and measure it again. Are we sticking to the program? Are the results hanging? Are they even becoming better now after we have been on the program for another two months? So these are the kind of things that I think are very motivational for the people that come into our CHIP program. And they begin to understand, uh, you know, also that about 84% of all of our medical budget in America is spent on chronic disease, and we have really nothing to offer to turn these diseases off 
in the high-tech medical armamentarium. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, President Clinton, mm-hmm. 2004, heart, heart disease, bypass surgery, best surgeons, best service rendered. In 2010, the bypass closed again. That happens. Happens all the time. Some bypass closed within two weeks because nobody told these people they have to change. And so the president then uh, was very concerned about uh, the fact that his bypass was no longer uh, functional and he was developing angina again. And he went to his, uh, his uh, esteemed uh, uh, cardiological team and they said, Mr. President, you don't understand. You don't understand. Uh, heart is not something that you can change. Heart is something that you'll have. It's a chronic disease. You'll always have that. You cannot cure it. But we have good uh, treatments. And the president wanted to know what that would be. Well, we can give you some stents. We have two stents. They will open up these arteries a little bit, and uh, then you'll be okay. And how long will they last? Well, we don't know. Well, you know, half of them are closed within less than a year's time, $30,000, and you do another stent. And it was then that he began to think about there must be a more curative approach rather than just taking care of the symptoms, just making me feel better. Now, when you have diabetes and you take your insulin, that does not cure you. As a matter of fact, the insulin causes you to have more hunger. And as you have more hunger, you now eat more. And as you eat more, you gain more weight. And as you gain more weight, you need more insulin, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in a vicious cycle. And so what we begin to realize is that most of these chronic diseases are lifestyle-related, and the answer is not going to be found in some technical uh, magic. Well, we can buy some time sometimes. You know, we can do a bypass, and we can save a life uh, that is uh, on the line, of course. But by and large, probably 60, 70, 80% of the bypass are not really necessary if we could educate and motivate and inspire people to make lifestyle changes. That's the cure. And that's the challenge that we have. So um, when you went into this, you'd already been working with Dr. Pritikin. You'd already been looking at the literature. You had a pretty good idea of how these lifestyle changes were going to affect the participants' health and biometrics. <laughs> did, yes. thing, did things happen that surprised you? Changes maybe in other, you know, either more extreme than you thought or in other domains where, where other things started working out better for people? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. what surprised you about the results that you were getting? I'm in a surprise mode every day. <laughs> Because the letters come, the phone calls come, and the reports come to us and say, this has happened, and this has happened to me, and this has happened to me. And I say to myself, and I go to my to our team and say, is there some, can this be explained as a result of our uh, recommended lifestyle uh, adjustment? I mean, could this be a function of having moved towards a simpler diet? and exercise, and we kind of sometimes scratch our heads, and we are sometimes uh, feeling somewhat puzzled because we have never really thought about this. I remember the first time that a person came to our program um, with a wheelchair, 
And I asked the person, you know, what brings you here? Well, I have multiple sclerosis. Well, I have MS. Uh, I have floaters in my eyes. I, I, I cannot uh, ambulate anymore. Uh, you know, life is kind of over, and I'm sort of coming to the CHIP program as sort of a last resort, you know, last effort. Uh, maybe it can help me a little bit. You know, at the end of the four-week program, she was no longer using the wheelchair, and she could no longer find her canes. Did she get that one? <laughs> she could no longer find her canes because she need, didn't need them anymore. And you say, what do you mean? You mean uh, MS can respond? Yes, it does. But at the time, we didn't have a clue. We didn't know. And as we began to read some of the work by a doctor, some well-known people that had worked on this for, for many years, but it was forgotten somehow in the literature, we began to read, oh, that's how that works. Um, we have these discoveries all the time, and uh, the um, the uh, repertoire, the um, the number of diseases that are apparently uh, responding to a simpler diet are coming in more and more every day. That we are ourselves are astounded. You know, in the early days, I happened to see some of these things in the Pritikin Center there because, you know, you uh, you basically uh, bring these people in and you lock them up. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, you feed them exactly what they are supposed to eat, right? Right. They have no temptations. Uh, you can control the environment. Uh, you put them in an exercise program, and you now maximize the chances of the body to begin to heal itself. And we saw incredible things happening there. And as a researcher, uh, I was very uh, interested in these kind of things, but at the same time I was very cautious because Mr. Pritikin thought he had all the answers now for all the ills of the world, right? And we said, no, 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 no. We're already making claims that we can uh, turn around high blood pressure. Uh, that's anathema. I mean, the medical profession doesn't believe that you can turn high blood pressure around. They always say, once you have it, you have it for the rest of your life. Just like heart disease, the president was told, sir, what you have, you have, you can't change it. Once you have heart disease, you have it for the rest of your life. And here, we're making all these claims you can reverse heart disease, and then we begin to talk about we can reverse diabetes type 2, you can be off these medications, and then you begin to talk about you can reverse angina pain, you can reverse coronary artery disease, you can open up these narrowed arteries again. And, you know, we were kind of a little bit concerned because... It sounded like some kind of a uh, snake salesman, you know, selling something here that you have to first document and you have to have long-term studies to really make your case very airtight. But, you know, these were very heady days. I mean, these were these days of big discoveries. Uh, we didn't quite know how to figure it all out yet, but we saw these people coming back to us and say, my gallstones are gone. You know, after eight months, they come back and they show us x-rays. And the gallstones that were there eight months earlier, now the gallstones are gone. And we say, oh, could that be our dietary program? Well, yeah, of course, because 90% of these gallstones are cholesterol stones. You reduce the cholesterol, wouldn't you expect that these gallstones regress, they shrink? Oh, that's how this works. You know, this is sort of the moment that we are in now. We're seeing... Um, um, surprises coming to us, and yet after a while, uh, they begin to sound no longer 
uh, like a surprise because I've seen it so often. We have people that come in uh, that are on the list for a kidney transplant or kidney dialysis, and they come into our program, and within three months, they're taken off the list to have a kidney transplant by their kidney specialist. They say, we don't know what you're doing, but somehow uh, the, uh, uh, the kidneys are working much better now, and we have all the data here. And now we're beginning to zero in on people that have kidney disease. We want to really document this so that we can say here we had we had 19 uh, kidney uh, patients that followed the CHIP program, and uh, after three months or six months as we followed them up, um, uh, 61% of them are no longer in need of the kidney transplant or kidney dialysis. The same thing with depression. Um, we had uh, a young uh, PhD student uh, do her dissertation on looking at the CHIP program and how it affects depression. And she found that looking at very um, well-established uh, assessment tools of how to determine depression and how to rank it. Uh, she found that 71% of the patients that came in with other, among other things, with depression no longer had depression that could be measured. You know, these are then some of the surprises that are coming to us and they're stopping more and more to become surprises because we begin to see them as a natural outworking of the body that is being empowered by a simple diet of whole foods, plant-based, with a good attitude, with a good exercise program, getting enough sleep, and just beginning to enjoy life and being grateful to be alive. We see it as... Uh, the finest uh, professional satisfaction that anybody can have that is in the healing field instead of just pumping medication and medication and more and more procedures and more, more procedures and oftentimes only affecting the symptoms of these chronic diseases rather than curing the conditions. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so here's, here's where I'm, I'm, I'm going from here in my mind. You have a, a, a tool, a treatment protocol, a program that can save hundreds of millions of dollars, billions, maybe hundreds of billions of dollars a year, can restore people's health. And I'm wondering, is everyone who's taking this paying for it out of their own pocket? Are corporations paying for it or insurance companies mm. starting to support this? Because what you've got, how, however, you know, I'm, yes. I'm looking for what, what your thoughts are about how big, this, how big this can go with, with, the, with the right kind of, uh, of, of yeah. financial incentives. You know, I'm not taking any position on Obamacare, but I tell you one thing. This program, the Obamacare, the um, Affordable um, uh, Health Care, will place more responsibility and incentivization on people to make lifestyle changes. I think it has the markings of turning this whole country around. But we need to uh, provide education to empower people to do it. And uh, money is one of the things for corporations that works very well. Let me give an example. Uh, the um, Vanderbilt uh, University in Tennessee, in Nashville, took 28 of their diabetic employees and put them through a CHIP program. We've empowered people. We empower people. We train them. 
and then uh, they run these programs in the corporations and churches in hospitals and so on. So the uh, Vanderbilt um, people took 28 of their diabetic employees, put them through a CHIP program, and after six months, these 28 diabetics had saved Vanderbilt University $67,000 in medical costs for medication and medical visits. Guess what? Mm -hmm. There are companies out there like Kaiser Permanente, which is a huge uh, health maintenance organization. They have 500,000 diabetics. Now, do you want to do the math? And you see uh, $67,000 saved by treating 28 diabetics in six months. That's $2,000 a person, right, in six months. That's $4,000 potential savings per person in one year. And if you have 500,000 diabetics in your system, that's just one company, one uh, major uh, health care provider, you have 500,000. You do the math. 500,000 times 4,000. You got 2 billion, if I'm not, I hope I'm correct. I mean, you got huge amounts of money. So here is then a tool to really affect the um, unsustainability of our current medical care system. Well, you pay and you pay and you pay. And when it comes to the chronic diseases, which cost us 84% of our whole medical cost in this country, you don't really affect the disease process. You just make the person feel better, and you introduce more problems because of the side effects of these drugs. We have people coming to us that are on 18, 25, 30 different pills a day. Do you know what that does to the body? I can imagine. And, yeah, and, and yet you can reverse these conditions oftentimes and be off these medications if you just begin to understand that what you put into the body has a powerful effect. I mean, you don't put any diesel into uh, an eight-cylinder uh, gas engine, do you? And expect that this car is going to run. But that's <laughs> what we do. That's you know, exactly that's funny, what we do. My, my new car is a, a diesel Jetta, and I am in f oh, yeah. f terror of, of forgetting because I've, I've never had a diesel <laughs> before. So, you know, and th so they told me, like, you know, and, and diesel and gasoline are very, very similar. Yeah. Right, but they're different enough that that if I try to drive with gasoline, yeah. I will I will wreck the engine and wreck the car. Yeah, that's right. And you see, that's probably what we do in our society, because we are spending twice as much money than the next nation in the world, and yet we are only number thirty-five in terms of life expectancy. We we need to begin to focus on. Solving the problems. So, so, so our healthcare system is essentially um, a, a, a huge garage of, bay, of, uh, of car bays where we're repairing the engines because we never really told people to put in diesel instead of gasoline. The fitness industry is all about how to get the body to look good and shiny. And really all you need to do is, is just put in the right fuel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so that's our challenge. And sometimes, as you know, the answer that we're discussing today appears almost too simple for people to take seriously. And yet the magic is in putting the right fuel into our bodies. I mean, think about this. 
we're more concerned of feeding our champion horses the right diet than what we feed ourselves. And we ought to be the champions, right. not all race horses. And you know, I, I find that most people that there are there are structural challenges to getting people to believe me, right? Mm-hmm. That there's what's normal is is not what's healthy, and that the the results you know that you've just outlined in this call are kind of too good to be true. <laughs> You know, when you hear when you hear something can be can be so fabulous, can do so many things. Yes, that's um, right. You know, that's why I, you know I love. I have your your uh, your book in front of you that you wrote with uh, with Dr. Luddington, and the title mm. of the book is Health Power, and the subtitle mm. is Healthy by Choice, Not by Chance. And you right. start out, you have a bunch of uh, questions and answers here, and you said, "You mean people create their own diseases? You can't be serious." <laughs> And, you know, that's the hard part. Once, once people get that, once people understand the, the, the formative etiology of disease, where it comes from, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like the, the, the example I gave when, at the talk where we met, where I said it's like we're hitting over ourselves over the head with hammers. And you can't believe how many things will get better when you just stop doing that. But it's, but it just, it just seems like, um, but, but, here, but, here, but, here, but, here, but here's the point. You see, we're hitting ourselves with a hammer. It hurts, right? And then, and then instead of stopping, the, medi- the, the medical profession says, no, 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 don't worry about hitting yourself with a hammer. That's okay. Just put a helmet on. Right. <laughs> you know, we need to begin to understand that we have to remove the causes of our diseases and not just let people do what they want to do, and then we just say, "Well, don't worry about it. We can fix you. We'll give we'll give you some drug. You feel depressed? That's okay. We'll give you some antidepressant." And then the antidepressant actually causes more problems down the line, as we now begin to understand. I know, but so, if you're if you're a doctor and you spend eight years of medical school and internship mm-hmm. and residency studying mm-hmm. helmets. And you, yeah, right. you, you you make ten percent <laughs> off of every helmet that you sell, and you know that right. it's very hard that's to get them to, uh, to to adopt a completely different paradigm, especially uh-huh. when they tell someone, you know, well, maybe you should stop hitting yourself, and they don't do it right away. And we say, well, that doesn't, you know, lifestyle changes don't work. You know, I I have a a young physician that became exposed to these lifestyle medicine concepts, and he looked at me rather shocked wide-eyed, and he said, what do you mean? You mean the last eight years, four years of medical school plus four years of internal medicine, you mean you're telling me now after I spent $200,000 for my education that what I've learned, most of it is actually not right? There's a different way to do it? Oh, come on. I cannot believe this. I don't want to hear about it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, we have to change the system, and it will take time, but it's coming. The, 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 the change is coming especially now with the new uh, uh, systems coming into place here, I think you'll probably see uh, more emphasis on taking personal care of yourself, taking uh, responsible actions, uh, making better choices uh, of how we eat, how we drink, how much salt we uh, eat, what we eat out, uh, whether we exercise, how we treat our spouses, get enough sleep, turn the TV off, all these kind of things that we're beginning to understand are creating this uh, integrated um, wellness model 
and the synergy then begins to work itself out in a marvelous way. So you become a totally new person, and uh, it doesn't cost you hardly anything, and you reduce your food performance by 30%, because you don't eat the junk food anymore. You eat real food, food that come out of the hand of a master designer somehow, food that don't need nutrition labels, because they're put together correctly. These are called whole foods, right? Right. Yeah. And then we use our two legs. We get an exercise like I was this morning in the gym for an hour. Hey, I feel great. And I have a wonderful talk, man to talk to right now. You know, I'm kind of reaching out into the ether now. I am a happy trooper. I feel fulfilled. Life yeah. is good. Healthy by choice, not by chance. Beautiful. So someone's listening to this, and they're very excited to to learn more about CHIP and maybe participate. What should they do? Oh, they can go to our website. You know, it's chiphealth.com. Chiphealth.com. Excellent. Yeah, and, actually, and, actually, yeah. actually how, we should really call it cheap health. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Isn't it true? <laughs> It is, it is so cheap. I mean, the people coming to our program, you know, it's, um, it's 12 weeks long, actually. The new program is not, I talked about four weeks. That was a compressed program, but actually now it's a little bit, uh, we meet now twice a week instead of four times a week. So we have now uh, a 12-week program. Uh, but it's, you know, 40 hours of instruction. Nothing has really changed. Uh, biometrics before and after. All of this is uh, all there. And people get uh, three brand-new textbooks. They get um, a pedometer. Uh, they get a journal. Uh, they get the tuition, of course. You know, they, they, the access to the videotapes that are being shown. Um, and they're paying, uh, what do they pay? I think they pay $399 for 12 weeks. They get food samples and the whole thing. And, you know, the people make that money... Um, they, they redeem that money within weeks just in lowering the medication costs and reducing their uh, bills for foods. And they're new people. So this is, you know, you go to Pritikin, you, you spend $23,000 for four weeks for husband and wife. And that's the uh, economy fair. If you go to the uh, deluxe, I mean, they got some really, really five-star things there. It's forty thousand dollars for husband and wife for four weeks, you know. And then when you come back home, who's going to help you? Here you have a community. We're developing communities. We're developing uh, a, a transformed society. We're creating a social movement. And the average person pays four hundred dollars or thereabouts. You know, it's very affordable. I mean, you have a smartphone that costs you six hundred, right? Right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. The thing is that you know, ed education is one of those things that we want to have had. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, rather than looking looking forward to getting it, so you know, I think people mm -hmm. people really need to I think first be connected to their goals, and at, mm -hmm. that, at that point, it's easy to do a spreadsheet and to say, you know, I think most most of, most of the money that I've spent that I'm really happy about came with some pain at the beginning around writing the yeah. check. Yeah, we always say you have to have some skin in the game. Yep. That's right. 
That's right. That's exactly right. Actually, I was very pleased that you didn't ask me what it costs because it's difficult to explain, especially that I'm the founder. Uh, I've been a big giver. You know, this was taken over by a large company in Australia. Uh, it was for me more of a ministry than really a business. Uh, but I was not able to sustain uh, the ministry because I needed new videos. I didn't have the millions of dollars to produce new videos. This company said, "Look, you have to you have to have uh, a margin to have a ministry." Yep. I said, "Yeah, that's right." So you have to charge enough, and they just invested seven million dollars in the brand new video kits. I mean, they're fabulous. And it's not just that I give some of the lectures. There are three major lectures. They're all authorities, and which is much better now because before I was the only lecturer on these videos, and you know a person could brush it off and say, "Wow, that's his opinion." You know, uh, he's just uh, selecting the references. You know, people always come up with answer with with, uh, with uh, you know like what they do with the Campbell, right? They don't. They don't really like your accent. Is so credible, though. They don't like. They don't like the the conclusions that they have to change. So they, uh, from a very technological, technical point of view, they try to find something wrong with it. Say, ah, you know, these are all. Um, uh, they are not causal. They are just. Uh, uh, associations and, uh, uh, you know, uh, this man is making, uh, more than he can. Hey, they do the same thing with me. Oh, it's too simple. Oh, come on. It doesn't work. No one will do this. Of course they do. Hey, if you have angina and you're out of angina in four weeks, you're going to eat grass and straw. If, 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 if you have, if you are impotent because of your, uh, your diabetes and you can say, look, you stop smoking and you lose weight and you open up these Arteries, not just the coronary arteries, but the penile arteries. It takes about six to twelve months. Chances are very look very good that things are looking up for you and your wife again. You know what these people do? They do it. Yeah. And yet, and yet, my colleagues they say, "Oh, nobody's going to do it." They make the decisions for the people, and that attitude comes across to the people, and so they won't do it because they don't have a person that encourages them to, "Hey." I'm so proud that you came to see me. We can help you. Do you know if you do this and this and this and this, here's what happens. Really? Yes. And we have 55 people doing it together. Are you ready for this? And bring your wife along. And bring your kids, you know, the teenagers. Get them all involved. And the people just sit there. Wow. Why didn't anybody tell me this? Why didn't my doctor tell me this? Because they didn't have a clue. Right. Physicians are the greatest obstacles to health improvement in America today because of the curriculum that they have to go through. And unless you change the national board's examinations, which drive the curriculum, nothing's going to change. And everybody's making money, except, I mean, everybody's doing well except the patient. Right. That, 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 that's, that's that's a really an indictment, isn't it? Everybody's doing well, except the patient. Right. Well, you know, um, every you know, every every con needs a mark, right? And it looks it looks like you know if you're playing uh-huh. the, you know a, a big con game, um, it looks like everyone's you know p- people are playing poker or or betting uh-huh. on horses. Uh-huh. It looks like they're all independent players. 
But behind the scenes, they're all making money off of the person who wanders uh-huh. in who doesn't know how the game is played. Right. Right. So right. The, pa- the patient here is the mark, and everybody yeah. else is getting um, rich and fat, and the patient yeah. is just getting fat. Can you can you just imagine? I mean, Ornish has just shown now that you can take people with prostate cancer, and within three months, he can show the efficacy of a simple lifestyle approach that he used for heart disease that is now also reversing prostate cancer. Just mm-hmm. think about that. I mean, the imp- the implications are huge. Yeah, and yet, yet nobody yeah. teaches that because. I mean, you don't want to lose the income from prostate surgery. You don't want to lose the income from the diapers that have to be sold to the people that have prostate surgery because most of them are incontinent and most of them are um, impotent as well. So everybody's making money. And that's why nobody wants to turn the thing off. And that's why I have such a huge admiration for Colin. And, you know, for you, too, because you work with him and for Tom. I mean, these, you, you are people of great uh, integrity. And uh, what I have done, I basically step on the shoulders of people like Campbell and Pritikin, and I basically apply what I've learned from these outstanding researchers. So I feel very, very humbled, and I feel very grateful, and I really also appreciate the uh, good interaction that... I had with you out in Pennsylvania and today here on the radio. It's a real, real joy in working with people that are really committed in making a difference in the world. So thank you so much. It's a great honor to be on your program. It's a thrill to have your questions, and I wish you all the very, very, very best and, uh, you know, the blessings from above. Well, thank you so much for, for taking all this time to, to talk with me. Um, mm. I don't want to ruin your, your humble moment, but I would say that, you know, yeah, we're, we're all on the shoulders of giants, but you, you have, your contribution has been the opera, opera, operation. I think I'm, yes. about putting yeah. it into, putting it into action, about taking the yeah, ideas that's probably true. and concepts yeah, and, and creating a model that that has all the right moving parts. So, you know, I see you as an educational giant in this field. <laughs> well, I, I think I was just lucky 25 years ago to do the right things intuitively. And, you know, now I'm finding out 25 years later they have all kinds of psychological names for all the things that we have done then <laughs> that turn out to be somehow correct, you know. Well, that's, you know, that's what theorists do. They look at people who get it right, and they give names to the stuff that they do. <laughs> Which is why I, I would much rather study with the, the doers than with the theorists. Yeah, that's right. So, but well, anyway, um, you know, for folks... Is, 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 this, is this a whole hour program that you do? It's how, it's, we talk as long as we want to until we get tired. I see. I okay. Uh, no, I mean, when when do you have? Uh, oh, this is a blog. This is not a radio program, radio. Right? Yeah, that's right. right. This is a blog, radio. Right? Yeah. Right. You're so putting people, this on your website. Uh, so, yep. are you are you are you um, downsizing that and dividing it up into thirds or fourth or so? I mean, people don't listen to a whole hour to a blog. I, you know, today. a lot of people do listen to the whole thing. Um, I was, you know, as soon as I get seven million dollars of investment, I will I will start editing. <laughs> 
Yeah, right, right, right. right, right. Uh, yeah, we do. We do some. We we cut it. We cut in. in you know, pull out uh, snippets and segments. But ideally, yeah. You know, people tell me that the you know the people that I have on are are just so inspiring and interesting that uh-huh. very often we get we get uh, people listening uh-huh. for uh-huh. for a lot longer. You know, if it's if some if you're listening to something and it's kind of boring or pointless, uh-huh. it's easy to put it down. If you're listening to something about saving your own yeah. life and, and mm-hmm. saving the world, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I bet that people are going to be listening even, we're, we're an hour and 16 minutes into really? the call, and there, there are people who are hanging on your every word because it's it's so important, and the spirit do you, do you, that you bring to you it, put it is so positive. Well, thank you. Do you put it on the uh, foundational uh, website? Um. I could. I'm, I'm, I put it on Holvana website. I put it on some of my own, and it goes out. It goes out to iTunes. Um, I, I, um, I'll I'll send an email to uh, to the foundation and see if they, if they would like to uh, to put it there as well. Well, I hope that uh, it will help some uh, will help someone. Thank you so much again. Uh, it's well, an honor to working with you. Uh, likewise, Dr. Hans Deal of ChipHealth.com, one of the premier um, health promotion programs in the world. And if you have, if it's near you, you can go on to ChipHealth.com, do a location search. And uh, if it's not, start making noise. Or, or if it's not near you, go go get trained as a practitioner. Um, it's very reasonable to become a, uh, a provider of this service to become to become trained to be able to, to do it in your community and let's let's keep spreading the word mm-hmm. yeah so. well you know um, we just published a paper on 5,000 uh, chip graduates and the results have been uh, identified as being the foremost in the medical literature and what is so amazing is that the results are the result of the training program done by volunteers. These are non-paid. These are housewives. These are nurses. These are, you know, uh, med techs that are teaching the classes because it really goes by the videos. And so you have the video for about 45 minutes, and uh, that covers the authoritative type aspects. And then you have another 45 minutes where you sit down with the people that, well, what do you think? What you pick up here today? What are the roads block for you? What can you do differently? Does it make sense? What is it you didn't like today of what you heard today? Uh, how is it different from what your doctor told you to do? What do you think we need to do? When you go home today, what are you going to do tomorrow differently? You know, this is what they do. This is the new learning model of engaging people. So first you have some authority figure, and then you begin to take it apart, and you, you know, you, you, you see... What can I take out of that that's going to help me today for tomorrow? Right. Well, it's mm. be- be- beautiful work. And, uh, and, done, and, and just think, done by volunteers. We give them two-day training. That's it. And well, these yeah, people yeah. then, through their churches, through hospitals, turn the place around and the lives around of people while the doctors sit in their offices and have their six, seven minutes with a patient and uh, uh, a $95 bill. Right. Well, it, it reminds me of, uh, of, the, of the TED Talk I saw by Daniel Pink on uh, Drive, on what motivates us. 
And he, he, he compared two, two models of making a, uh, an encyclopedia. One was Microsoft's Encarta with millions and millions of dollars behind it and the resources of, of at that time, the world's wealthiest, highest capitalized company. And uh, Wikipedia, a bunch of volunteers. <laughs> so which, which ones, you know, so it's, it's almost like, you know, the, the volunteer model is the one that is, is led by, by people's spirit rather than, rather than the things that we think in the society should motivate people, which is, you know, money and status and power. So I can, I can totally understand how letting, letting people just, you know, letting their passion uh, speak for itself is the most powerful right. um, engine of, of, of spreading the message forward. I hope I wasn't too evangelistic. I hope you were. I hope people uh, hear the oh. e- evangelos is from two Greek words meaning good no- good news. I, 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 can't you know, think of, I can't think of any better news. Than I know, I know. But you know, as scientists, we're always taught, you know, just... Be be very circumspect. Be very um, cautious. Say we have some interesting findings here that applies to people that are Caucasians and they are between fifteen and uh, sixteen and a half years of age. We don't know if it works for twenty year olds. <laughs> you know, right. we have all these provisos there, and so I, I sometimes have to sort of stop myself to make sure that I don't come across as an evangelist that is being taken out of the uh, scientific, uh, serious world. Right. Well, a, fr- a friend of mine, I- I've, I've been in marketing for 10 years. A friend of mine uh, in marketing, Glenn Livingston, says that hype is claims unsupported by evidence. So mm-hmm. the, the minute you start making claims unsupported by evidence, I'll call mm-hmm. you on it. But so far, the evidence you know, okay. supports everything that we're saying so good, you know good, let's good. let's let the uh let the let the evangelism spread and uh, and let let the planet and the people get healthy howard we ought to do something together sometime keep I me would, in mind okay I I would, I'll, in fact, I'm, I'll turn off the recorder and we can talk about it because i'm really excited okay good okay all right take care thanks so all much all right bye-bye thank you again bye-bye